Kathleen. Kathleen, can you ask me in front of all of these people, all of these witnesses, can you please ask me, am I going to play Obi-Wan Kenobi again? Ewan? Yes? Are you going to play Obi-Wan Kenobi again? Yes. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to another Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Melissa. And I'm Matt. And there's a lot to talk about today in the world of Star Wars. Mainly news, um, (laughs) but I think most importantly, uh, we're a week away from Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is pretty nuts, if you ask me. Yeah, and Star Wars Celebration. And Star Wars Celebration, (laughs) two two big events. Um, So yeah, there's obviously a lot to talk about big Vanity Fair article. They're just hitting us with one thing after the next right now. It's just like a Star Wars assault. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I actually, I got up this morning and again, the internet blows up. It's like, you never know when this stuff is going to drop and then it does drop and everybody's freaking out and you're just like not equipped to handle it in the moment. I was kind of surprised we even got this, but uh, I should have expected it because the marketing has been in full swing. And I yeah. honestly cannot believe that we are a week away from getting new Kenobi content, which is absurd. So I am pumped up. Before we do get into this Vanity Fair article, happy birthday to George Lucas, whose birthday was on May 14th. Yay. Thank you for being born and creating this lovely space franchise that we all love and adore. So happy birthday to the maker. Happy birthday to the creator himself. Yeah. Thankfully, he was born. How old is he? Like 70? 78. I think he's getting up there. Wasn't he? He was born in 44, wasn't he? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Any I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, we're just happy that he was born. But let's get into this Vanity Fair article because there's so much to talk about and break down before we get into the Kenobi show next week. So let's talk about it. But before we do, I'm going to share a video that Vanity Fair posted this morning. So let me just share that. We're here shooting for the new Vanity Fair shot by Annie Lebowitz. It's an incredible honor. Annie has been a part of Star Wars for 40 years. I've always had a real fondness for the Vanity Fair Star Wars issues. So working with Annie again was really special for me. Here we go. I've worked with Annie all through my career, really. She's a legend, you know, for a good reason. Her photographs are extraordinary. Annie Leibovitz, Vanity Fair. What comes to mind is iconic. One of the things that was really fun was that all the shows were coming together. Really nice. We've got Andor, we've got Obi-Wan, we've got Mandalorian, we've got Ahsoka. Just standing up there with the smoke and the wind and the cape. To be part of this moment, it's just mind-blowing. This new era with Star Wars and streaming, now we have time to tell these much more ongoing, elaborate stories that interconnect. It's a moment where the Star Wars universe can take risks and reinvent and surprise fans. I can only say I cannot believe my life. Thank you, everybody. Ooh, that's so exciting. 
I, okay, I, that's, that's honestly, that's so cool to watch because it's weird seeing all those characters in like one shot together. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I thought, having, I thought initially I thought it was photoshopped. Like when I first saw it, I'm like, did they really have all four of them there at once? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They got them all there. They got them all there. We have Andor, we have Ahsoka, we have Obi-Wan. Um, who's the other person? Oh, Mon Mothma. <laughs> For some yeah. reason, is in that photo, but we got the um, main Star Wars shows that will be out, and they actually confirmed the release dates of all these shows, which is probably the first bit of news that we should talk about. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from the article. Was yeah, which that was really is, the only thing I was like, okay, I glanced over it, and I'm like, okay, cool, release dates, and then I pretty much tuned out. <laughs> Well, Matt didn't read the article. I did. No, I did. <laughs> I read Matt about half of it, and then I'm like, this is way too long, and uh, show me the videos and pictures. <laughs> I'm like, Gaston, how do you read this? There's no pictures. There's no pictures. Yeah, the premiere dates were confirmed, which finally, but it looks like that obviously Kenobi is next week, and that'll probably last for A four month. weeks. Yeah. No, four weeks roughly because they're giving us the first two episodes back to back. Yep, that's what a month is. It's four weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Forgive me, guys. My brain is very tired today. I'm actually, I've been recovering from surgery all week. Uh, and so I've been extremely tired and exhausted. So please forgive my brain deadness. Yes. So we get Kenobi in next weekend. And then they said that Andor premieres late summer of this year, which is not what I expected at all. I thought that that was going to be like a November slot. But then the biggest piece of news is that season three of Mando is said to premiere either late this year, late 2022, so December, or early 2023. Yeah, I saw that. Such a cop-out to do that. Oh, maybe it's going to be December, or maybe it's going to be next year. And it's like... It might be be just because of production time and like... I know 100% that's what it is. It's just annoying. It is. They told us, we've pretty much known, oh, it's going to be December since season two of 2023 is what we were all assuming. But now they're like, oh, maybe it's going to be 2024 or 2023, whatever. I don't know. My brain's not working great either. But you know what I mean? But the Andor one is actually really interesting because that confirms the rumors that we were talking about, which was uh, end of summer. Yes. I actually, I initially thought that that was going to be a fall thing because the Mando premiere date has been so up in the air. Because they've been like, oh, is it this? No, it's not. Oh, is it that? Oh, it's that. And then we had... um, that rumor going around that it was supposedly going to premiere in the summer, which I don't think anybody believed, that those so far look to be the confirmed dates. And then the last date is that Ahsoka is set to premiere in 2023, which is on schedule. Everybody knew that that was going to be 2023. But that's exciting. But production actually officially started for that, by the way, too. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. What, a week ago? On the 4th? Was it on the 4th? Yeah. Something like that about a week ago. Whatever. Picture an ominous picture of Dave Filoni's hat hanging off a chair that said Ahsoka. Pretty good marketing. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. So those are the dates, which was probably the highlight of the Vanity Fair article. But they also had quite a bit of other news in the article. And I'll just like read the highlights. I have many pages of notes that we can't get through, but it does kind of kind of sum up the gist. Yeah. Notable things from the Vanity Fair article include the Acolyte is said to take place 100 years before The Phantom Menace. And in the Vanity Fair article, 
uh, which I will pull up here in a sec, or if you want to pull that up, Matt, feel free. Me, the creator quoted, she said, a lot of these characters that we already know haven't been born yet, but we're taking a look at the political and personal and spiritual things that come with a time period that we don't know much about. My question when watching The Phantom Menace was always, well, how did things get to this point? How did we get to a point where a Sith Lord can infiltrate the Senate and none of the Jedi pick up on it? Like, what went wrong? What are the scenarios that led us to this moment? And so it looks like it's just going to be like at the peak of the Jedi and seeing how the Sith even came to infiltrate them in the first place, which is super interesting to me. Just that general timeline and seeing what's going on there and how we got to the point in The Phantom Menace. I think that those are all really good questions to ask. What do you yeah. think? Well, it's very mysterious. I didn't think I didn't know it was going to be that much before uh, Phantom Menace. 100 years is a long time. So it's not going to be a Palpatine show as far as we know. Um, they said it's going to be what? Like a mystery, kind of a mystery thriller. thriller. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think it's in, maybe it'll be totally new characters, so, and which I think would be cool. Um It'll be during the High Republic when the Jedi's are wearing their like really fancy angelic. When everything's gold robes. for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gold. That means it's old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll see. I mean, it's definitely surprising to get that news that it's a hundred years before, but it's a big piece of information. I mean, it helps us, you know, make some uh, ties. We can, we can, we can you know. Guess as to what it might be. Like, how old are like how, how old is like Darth Maul, or like how old do some of these species live? Like, depending on ooh Yoda. Yeah, I mean, he could definitely be in it. He's uh, probably I think for it's sure be in more it. Sith focused, like who's infiltrating the Jedi, and then like trying to find out who it is, and then like the Sith are back kind of thing. That's what that would be my guess. But yeah. again, they're they're really keeping this close to the chest, and no casting's been revealed except for one person, right? Yeah, I, I honestly I I don't know because I haven't really been keeping up with that project specifically because it's been so much on the back burner as compared to other projects. But if it's Sith focused, I think that that's a really interesting area that we've never seen in Star Wars. And I think that that could be the big pull towards that project if they make it if you see everything from the point of view of the Sith and not the Jedi, because up until this point, it's been like. Yeah. This is the Jedi's perspective of things. And it's like, let's get on the evil side. Like, what are the evil people doing? <laughs> like- yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Because that is an interesting it's an interesting way to look at it and to have the story told and be a precursor to the story that we know. Yeah. So like imagine, you know how the Phantom Menace is like from the point of view of the Jedi, like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan mainly like the whole movie of the phantom menace is based on qui-gon and obi-wan's experiences and what they're coming across and like anakin being the disturbance in the force what if we got like the sith equivalent of that where it's like a master and an apprentice and their experiences in this show like that's what i want to see yeah i agree that'd be awesome i love movies that are and and shows that are geared that way where you kind of are more sympathetic towards (laughs) the bad guy, you know, like the anti-hero idea or, you know, seeing something from the villain's point of view because it makes them make more sense and makes them more sympathetic, like I said. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that one for sure. I think it's going to be a really interesting show. It could be great or it could be. Yeah, so I feel like these are like kind of very going to be very hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. Also, who's directing it? Like who wrote the screenplay? Like all that stuff. They did confirm that. I'm I'm not gonna say names because I think I'll botch them, but because that because I'm because I'm not thinking about that project, I didn't read as much on that section. <laughs> yeah. But I know that there was a writer 
or director confirmed. So if you guys want to do that, you should just go read the article itself because we can't cover everything because there was so much. So if you want the nitty gritty details, I would highly recommend just going to Vanity Fair and reading the article. But the yes. next set of it's the long. next set of yeah, it's long. <laughs> the next set of news in the Vanity Fair article is that John Watts, the director of the Spider-Man Homecoming trilogy, is confirmed to be developing an untitled Star Wars series set after Return of the Jedi. Um, the description goes on to say the series is described within Lucasfilm as a galactic ver- as a galactic version of classic Amblin coming of age adventure films of the eighties. What do you think of that? I love that. I saw that as well. Um, super interesting. I think that would be also has potential to be really good or go the opposite direction. But something I thought saw that was encouraging was in all the news that kind of came out today was I think it's Kathleen Kennedy, who I know people have mixed feelings about her, but she said something interesting, which was like Star Wars uh, stories need to be or should be told in ways that like advance the story forward and not just as trilogies, Mm. if that makes sense, which uh, I'll have to pull up the exact quote. I'm probably botching what she said, but the essence of what she's saying, I think, is like is there. How I'm expressing it, however poorly that is, which is you just tell you just want to tell good stories, and I think they they really refocused after Solo and after the you know the sequel trilogy to be like, hey, let's focus on telling good stories, which is why we've had some amazing Star Wars and Mando season one and two and some of the episodes of Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> But I think that's encouraging for me here too is like, okay, there's some really interesting stuff to be told right after Return of the Jedi. So what is that going to be? I don't know. But if they do a good job with it, it could again be some of the best stuff we've seen, especially with all these other characters that have been introduced to us now. Absolutely. Definitely agree. And it should all be connected. It's, I honestly think, remember when Lucasfilm came out with that announcement after, or, oh God, maybe it was before the Rise of Skywalker release where they were like, we're taking a step back to reanalyze our or the future of Star Wars. And that, and that was like a whole article. And then everybody saw the rise of Skywalker and they're like, ooh, yeah, you kind of do need to take a step back <laughs> and reanalyze what's going on here with Star Wars. So like I, I feel good about that. But it's like there needs to be conversations. Otherwise, people are going to try to all do their own thing and it's going to feel disjointed and disconnected, which is exactly what happened with the sequel trilogy, is you have people trying to do their own ideas and then they they undo what the prior person did in favor of what they were trying to accomplish instead of having that connectivity tissue throughout. And then you just get a jumbled mess. That makes no sense and it doesn't satisfy anybody. And so like having that said makes me – feel better but at the same time it's like i'm still really like cautiously optimistic about all this yeah yeah i mean it's gonna depend project to project but i have fingers crossed for obi-wan i'm feeling good about it i agree i i do i do have a good vibe with that uh speaking of obi-wan deborah chow had a lot to say in that article um and one thing that i really liked that she said that made me feel better because a lot of people are – so a lot of people on YouTube and Twitter are freaking out about Kenobi because they're like, oh, it's all going to be about that new Inquisitor who I think you pronounce the name is Reva. I don't think it's Reva. I think it's Reva because I heard an interview of Moses Ingram describing describing her. Okay. And I think it's Reva. <laughs> so I don't know. Reva Reva, I guess we'll have to see. But a lot of people have been complaining because they've been like, oh, this is just going to be a show about her – 
and they're not going to focus on Obi-Wan and Anakin at all. And they've been making all of these massive assumptions before the show is out. And, like, I don't get it. I don't really understand where that discourse has come from or why there's so much, like, negative concern about it. But I was reading through the interview with Deborah Chow today, the director, and I really liked what she had to say on Obi-Wan and Anakin on this. And I'm just going to read it real quick. But she said, for me, across the prequels through the original trilogy, there's a sort of love story dynamic with Obi-Wan and Anakin that goes through the whole thing. I felt like it was quite hard to not include the person who left Kenobi in such anguish in the series. What intrigued her was the idea that despite what Vader had become, Kenobi might still deeply care about him. I don't know how you could not, she says. I don't think he will ever not care about him. What's special to me about this relationship is that they loved each other. And I really like that because I've I've always, like, in the back of my mind, I've always been slightly concerned. I'm like, don't not focus on that bond that was broken between these two men. And I, I will admit, it's like I do have concerns about like putting the focus on one area of the show, which would be like the Inquisitors and what they're doing. But I feel like the emotional heart of the show is definitely that that bond that's broken between Anakin and Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan mourning essentially what was lost in his relationship with his brother. So like every time I hear Deborah Chow say things about this show, I feel like that much better about what's to come. And I feel more comforted, but I really liked what she had to say on that. And so that was just a highlight I wanted to pull. Yeah, I definitely hope that Obi-Wan and Nana can kiss each other and make up at the end of the show. The kiss and make up. Yeah. They kiss and make up. Yeah. No, that's, nope, a good that's not going to happen. <laughs> I agree. I think she's focusing on the right things, which is encouraging for the direction of where the show's going to go. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm ready to be pulled emotionally. On, like, I'm ready to be emotionally oh, destroyed yeah. it's going to be by this relationship. Five. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. I think um, it's going to be emotional damage from start to finish. Emotional damage. <laughs> it definitely will be, but I'm so ready for the show to hurt me. I've been ready for the show for the last 10 years. Finally, the last few things from the Vanity Vanity Fair. I want to say Variety Fair. I don't know why. But the Vanity Fair article, this thing got me. And let me know what you think about this. Because there was a debate about this today. Kathleen Kennedy said in this interview, because they were talking about the prior Star Wars projects that came before, and one of the projects that came up was Solo. And she said, or the article states that the 2018 movie Solo explored Han Solo's younger years with Alden Einrich. Is it Einrich? Is it Alden Einrich? Yeah, I've, I always have a tough time pronouncing that. Guy's yeah, name. with Alden Einrich taking on the role of the smuggler originated by Harrison Ford. The film has its admirers, but it made less at the box office than any other live-action Star Wars movie. Solo swagger may be too singular for another actor to repl replicate. And then Kathleen Kennedy goes on to say, There should be moments along the way where you learn things. Now it, now it seems so abundantly clear that we can't do that. This got kind of a fiery response today because everybody was like, that wasn't the problem. That wasn't the issue because there was so much debate around like deep fake Luke and then recasting. And so there was a lot of debate going around today where it's like, was it Alden? Was it just the story? Was it the fact that they released Solo after The Last Jedi, which was so controversial? Was it the fact that like people got mad about it? Like, and there's been so much debate. So like you can pick and choose your arguments. But what do you think about that? Did you see all the conversation that went around? Because yeah, of this today? I saw that. I mean, it's a s weird thing to say because with the last couple of movies, this whole show with Obi-Wan 
is based on a character that's recast. Yep. <laughs> um, first of all, second of all, the Luke thing with the deep fake again, you, it's doing deep fakes, but you still recast the role. I think what that showed us more than anything was not you can't recast these roles. Um, you just have to be more careful with it. They rushed that movie. Yep, they I rushed agree. it. The the plot is not there. I didn't think he was necessarily the best choice for Han. I didn't feel like that character was there on the screen. The writing was bad. It was lazy. There's some cool moments, but I don't think you can blame him 100% for why the movie failed. I don't think that's fair. It it was so many other things. It really was. He was almost there, but I don't necessarily think he he was 100% the right choice. I mean, that movie kind of came out of nowhere. No one asked for that, by the way. It just yeah. was like one day there was a preview for it and you're like, wait, what? They're making a Han movie? <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I guess, great. And Donald Glover playing Lando, that's a good casting. Yeah. That's great casting. And also recasts. So I, I think he did a fantastic job. And they're doing a whole nother show with him. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, he got his own so you show. You can't tell me that, that, that that's what the problem is. That's what I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, especially on the film being rushed. Also, I think it... I think after The Last Jedi, it caused a lot of distrust among Star Wars fans. And a lot of people were like, I can't do this. Like, I can't do this right now. Like, you just gave me a movie that, you know, and, you know, some people loved it and more power to you if you loved it. But with The Last Jedi, I came out of that movie, like, feeling exhausted. I was like, what? Yeah, and you know what? Let me clear the air on something. I have something I got to say about this. Sorry. Because you're like, some people might like it more power to you. I'm sorry. It's an objectively bad movie. You can enjoy it. That's fine. It doesn't mean it's a good movie. It means you enjoy it. But objectively speaking, in terms of the writing, the acting, the ridiculous plot points that are in there with the casino and the horses and like the – what's the other stupid thing in the middle of the movie? Uh, Oh, the the opening line in the movie is ridiculous. Like there's so much wrong with that movie. It's objectively bad. You cannot tell me that that's on the same level as good movies like The Godfather and Last of the Mohegans and – really really good you know there will be blood and stuff like that and um revenge of the sith it's not even in the same ballpark okay it's bad and you can enjoy it you can tell me you i I love that movie i disagree but if it was that good there wouldn't be debate about it if it was good there would not be debate about it and that's all i have to say about that but it's objectively bad sorry roast me in the comments all you want (laughs) that has been matt's spiel on the last jedi uh i i honestly I, I respect it. I do agree with you, though. I don't think it's an objectively good film, and I have a really hard time with it because I think it personally undid almost everything that the original trilogy accomplished. So we do not like that movie. If you like it, good yeah. for you. Like I Honestly, good for you. We're not here to crap on your opinion of that film, but this is not... It's not our favorite, guys. No, it's not. And it wouldn't be this controversial to say this stuff. If it was a good movie, it wouldn't be controversial to say it, which is how I know it's a bad movie. It wouldn't be controversial to say this stuff. People said the same thing about the trilogies, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Some people didn't like that. But I think at the end of the day, no one – there wasn't as much of a debate about it because people were like, you know, it is what it is. It's not trying to be something it's not. Last Jedi was trying to be something it's not. Um, And – the other thing that annoys me too is people will be like, oh, well, Rise of Skywalker was way worse. I disagree. I think it's a better movie. I think Force Awakens is a better movie than The Last Jedi. At least they have some, some interesting parts to them. I don't know. Whatever. I- <laughs> maybe maybe I, what I'm feeling now is maybe we should go through 
the sequels. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, I haven't watched The Last Jedi since I saw I it I watched them recently on, on, like, an airplane. And, like, Force Awakens is, okay, it's fine. It's just recycled A New Hope. That's all it is. So it's, but it's fine. It, I don't, it's not a great movie, but it's watchable. The second one is, like, the first scene makes my blood boil because it's so annoyingly bad. Oh, you mean like the and there's joke some cool the scenes, like the throne room scene in there is cool. Um, but I ended that movie ends like I'm just disappointed, and that's the second time I've watched it. And then I watched Rise of Skywalker again, probably like f- six months ago, something like that. And I'm like, you know what? This movie gets a lot of hate, and the somehow Palpatine returned line is completely <laughs> ridiculous, and the whole Sith dagger thing is stupid, and the Chewie thing is stupid. It's like his plane gets blown up or whatever. But like her using the electricity powers and like. There, the fight, like at the end, how Ben kind of turns good. I know people hated that, but I'm like, that's kind of cool. they should have done earlier. The fight on the Death Star is kind of cool. I don't know. I mean, it's no, still not good, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Those movies are, <laughs> yeah, they just make me sad. <laughs> yeah, I agree. They kind of create a feeling of just like, oh man, you it was there. You had all the foundations for a great trilogy and you blew it. It's a it's a product of too many people being involved and I've been saying this since the start. It's not about creating a good story. It was about the money from the start. But like, you're right. There's elements there that are like, oh, that's so cool. And like, I'll appreciate that. I'll, you know, every part of every move bad, like a lot of people. I just think like they missed the mark. There's too many people involved, too many people's too many hands in the cookie jar. People giving their opinions, and it just the story gets ripped apart from what it was meant to be. And that's that's and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, maybe this is a good follow up for the last bit of news from the Vanity Fair. But uh, a number of years ago, I think in 2017, it was announced that Ryan Johnson, the director of the Last Jedi, was getting his own Star Wars trilogy. And that was controversial, and we haven't heard anything about that since 2017. And in this uh, Vanity Fair article, all Kathleen Kennedy said was that trilogy has been put on the back burner. And she said, oh, Ryan's busy with Knives Out 2, and he's busy with all these Netflix shows. And so honestly, like that could mean anything. Like, no, I don't- done. They shelved it. It's, it's done. They're not making those. I thought that was done with, by the way. I, I'm surprised they even mentioned this because I thought everyone knew that that's like – She canceled. said back burner, which could mean cancellation or it could just mean, oh, that's so far off. I'm- no, they're going to quietly cancel it. It's it's That's think? not happening. Dude, he's not meant for Star Wars. I'm sorry. He's a great director, but I, that's too risky of a move. And I think people – again, people hate on Kathleen Kennedy, but I think she does appreciate – what star Wars means to fans now. And she's like, I'm doing these things right. And I want, and I know how much money we can make if we do some valid fan service and I don't want to risk anything, you know? So I think she's trying to trying to play things a little bit more carefully now. And I think playing it carefully would be not having a Ryan Johnson trilogy. And I I think it's, you know, her saying it's on the back burner. I think that's all but confirmed that it's canned at least for the time being. I I don't think he'll be attached to it three years from now. Who knows? Yeah, I, I I gotta be honest. I saw Knives Out and I really liked it. I think he's a good director. I don't think he's a good director for Star Wars. I don't think he necessarily understands it. I don't I think agree. and I, I don't know if he was a fan prior I to this. I don't think JJ Abrams understood Star Wars either. Like No. He did Star Trek. He nailed the Star Trek movies. Um 
And maybe he was purposely sabotaging the Star Wars ones because he's a Trekkie at heart. God, <laughs> that's my conspiracy theory. Oh my the god! No, he was at a war with Ryan Johnson, and you're like, "Well, you're going to do that? I want to play with this toy." It was like the the equivalent of two kids sitting in I a mean, sandbox. That's, that's the that's the biggest problem is they didn't have a consistent director for all three. That's absurd in today's day and age. And then also, you could tell, like, yeah, this, you're right. It was like they're fighting. Like the second movie, or the third movie, like retconned a lot of what the second movie did. And you're like, <sighs> <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? How old are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, make a good movie. But I think that basically covers the Vanity Fair article. If you guys want to read it, it is a very long article, but you can find it on the Vanity Fair website. It does have some really cool behind the scenes photos too. So I highly recommend it. You check that out if you just want to get like a gist for how these shows came to be or get a little bit more hype before the Kenobi series premieres um but i think that's it for the vanity fair uh but we did get a lot of promotional clips interviews last week for the kenobi show with ewan mcgregor hayden christensen and moses ingram i think that they were in london and we posted some of those photo shoots and interviews and actually this really warmed my heart I don't know how many of those that you watched but ewan and hayden were actually talking a lot about feeling the love for the prequels now yeah yeah. And like that made me so happy. <laughs> like, well, I didn't I know that. Like, I guess I never really thought about it. But yeah, I mean, Hayden lives on like a farm now. <laughs> He's like a ranch. And then Ewan was like talking about how much people hated, solid people hated the prequels when they came out. And he, he didn't, he didn't really know or think about our generation who really loved them and appreciated them, which is probably how some people will look at the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. There's a certain charm about the prequels that the sequels don't have. And I think he's just not realizing that. But even Ewan saying like uh, that he's he has a deeper appreciation for it now. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm glad. Sorry I had to suffer through some obnoxious Star Wars fans for so long. Because we all that. know our, the fan base can be quite toxic. But um, yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad that they're back. Honestly, I'm glad that they didn't let them discourage them. So it made me happy too. It makes me really happy. I actually have a clip here that I'd like to share of them talking about uh, Revenge of the Sith, which is such a cute little clip. Okay, so we have this here. I'll play this clip, and then I want to talk about that. This is really cute. This is them talking about Revenge of the Sith, which is adorable. Oh. I like them, you know. I like them. Our episode three is really good. It's a really good movie. And it's a, it's, it's a phenomenal film. Yeah. <laughs> Non-stop action. Yeah. yeah. You have the high ground. I, I, I have the high ground. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. Not man. anymore. Maybe. <laughs> on the picture. Well, on the picture. Yeah, on the picture. Well, I'm still looking at it. But I would like a dollar for every time someone's told me I had the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, yeah, it's not. Oh my god, I love them so much. Yeah, I I love them so much. I would like a dollar for every time someone's told me I've had the high ground. (laughs) Which, (laughs) by the way, all the time, the prequel memes didn't exist back then, and they're such an integral part of our popular culture today that, like, to see them joking about it, (laughs) be like, "Oh, it's the high ground," (laughs) you know, making all these little references, I just think is so charming, and it just makes me feel good to see that. Like the interviewers are joking about it with them, and they're like, "Oh, haha, yeah, the high ground." <laughs> like it's like I don't yeah. know. It makes me feel really good, and especially for Hayden, which I 
I'm just so glad that like he now knows that our generation, people our age, like love and adore him and are legitimately pumped to see him back in Star Wars media. And so I hope this Kenobi show really affirms that for both of them, which I think it will. But like for that side of me, like little old 2005 Melissa is just like, oh, this is just great. I love this. Yeah, I agree. I'm I feel the same way. Even seeing the pictures of him like training or whatever. I'm like, I can't believe we get him back. He doesn't even act anymore. And now he's he's come back for us. (laughs) You know that meme with Krennic from Rogue One where he's like farming? Really? A man of your talent? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I thought you're gonna be like we were so we were this close to greatness. We were on the verge of on greatness. The verge of greatness. That's, we that's essentially what Lucasfilm did when they came back to Hayden. Yeah, we were on the verge of greatness. But we'll see how the show ends up playing out. But I think we are going to have greatness. I've had to be resisting. There's been some leaks of what these, these episodes are. Oh and I've no! Been trying to resist reading them. I'm I'm trying uh, I'm, I'm trying to resist you resisting reading them. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, oof. I think they're confirmed to be correct, but I only I read like the first two sentences of the first episode, and I'm like, I can't read this. It's okay, well, it. don't tell me. But of those first two sentences, what's your reaction? I will just say it is emotional damage, <laughs> and um, it confirms what someone else on our show uh, mentioned. I think I know what you're talking about, but that's fine. So, and I'm also going to say this, Dave Filoni. So use those cryptic clues as you will, people listening. But I think you can I figured it guess out. If you if you think, yeah, it's it's going to start in a very fitting way. Um, and then after I read that, I'm like, I don't want to know anymore because don't read like, them, dude. I, I literally I, I read like this much of it, and then I was like, this actually sounds 100 percent like what I'm it's imagining. Gonna be. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm done. I don't want. Don't I don't read even want, it. I don't. I don't want to get my hopes up, and I also don't want to ruin it. So, but they're out there. Don't. Oh my god! Now I'm gonna have to like avoid the internet like crazy because I don't want to know anything going into the show. I'm so afraid to get spoiled because I know that there are people that out there and they love doing their leaks and like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't necessarily know why people do that, but I just want to experience the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, well, I guess we'll know in a week. But the last thing, Matt, we haven't talked about this. This is huge. Attack of the Clones turned 20 years old yesterday. Wow. Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, the big two zero. Yeah. And you know what? I will say a couple things about this movie because it's the first Star Wars movie I saw in theaters. Saw it opening night, opening day. Not the first showing, but I saw it the first day I came out with Adam. Uh, Jealous. Actually, did I see it with Adam? No, I think I saw it with Dad. But – People hate on this prequel movie the most, I think, even though the, the first one's probably a little bit cringier in some ways. But I really love this. As a 10-year-old at the time, it was everything I could have wanted in a Star Wars. I thought it was the coolest movie ever. And um, I actually saw a tweet from someone uh, two years ago who animated uh, this part of the movie, Tim Harrington. And... It reminds me. Yes. This was huge for me. So people who don't – you can shit on the movie all you want. You can be like, oh, it sucked. But this was so epic. Okay, we got to see Yoda fighting for the first time. And when this first happened, I saw him force pull that lightsaber out and start jumping – jump fighting Dooku. I was literally shaking with excitement. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> dorkiest thing ever. Okay. I'm 10. Give me, cut me some slack. But, um, it was amazing. I remember leaving that movie. I thought it was so cool. I thought, uh, uh, uh my God, why am I blanking on his name? Count Dooku. Count Christ- Dooku. Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. God, thank you. <laughs> Love him from Lord of the Rings, but he's also great in this. I thought it was so cool. His, the way he fights his fighting style. I thought Obi-Wan was so cool. I thought Anakin was so cool. It was an interesting story. The sound design of the speeders on Coruscant in that movie and uh, Django Fett was dope. And we get one of the coolest noises of all time with the seismic charge in that movie. Like there's so many elements of that movie yeah. that are iconic. Okay. Um, and so, and it was one of my best movie going experiences. So just shout out to Attack of the Clones. Is it corny? Yes. Oh, also all the Jedi fighting in the Gladiator Arena. That's awesome. Okay. To someone who didn't, if you, you you grew up with it already existing, like if you were born in 2005 or 2002, whatever the heck, we didn't have much Jedi fighting content. That was like one of the, that was only the second movie we had of like crazy lightsaber fights. It was amazing. So happy birthday to uh, Attack of the Clones because great movie. It's, well, it's, yeah. it's the best, in my opinion, it is the best Star Wars movie in terms of world building. I watched it last week after I got out of surgery because I was like, I just need a a movie I can watch that I don't really have to think too much about, but I'm comforted by watching it. And I was like, oh, Attack of the Clones turns 20. Let's turn it on. Let's watch it. And it's just like everything from like the nightclubs on Coruscant, just like the city life, the politics. Um, Camino is introduced for the first time. Camino, the aliens. If you think about the Kaminoans, like I also think this movie introduced like the Twi'leks. For the first time in Star Wars, it introduced a lot of those uh, alien species that we now know today are extremely popular. Um, Even the little details, like um, the ships. This is a crazy attention to detail. The ships in Attack of the Clones don't have hyperdrive like they do in the original trilogy. They have hyperdrive rings for the ships to like get into space. So like Obi-Wan will like drive into the hyperdrive ring and then it'll go into hyperspace. Well, that's only – only because that's a close contact fighter. That's why Obi Wan is it has. though. Yes, that is why. Because it's. A, I'd it's like a to Jedi, see source. It's a Jedi fighter ship, and he needs it to travel um, to other planets. But the other ships do have hyperdrives. He just needs that one because it's a. It's not meant for deep space travel. Still, little things like that. No, I know it's to great. have. I'm, no, like just to have in the movie, or like what you just talked about with like Yoda. And seeing him fight for the first time, I honestly think that Attack of the Clones laid the foundation for what Star Wars is now. With oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, it, it, all of this world building. I think a better way to put it is it added more elements to the world than maybe any other Star Wars media, other than the first one, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And God, there's so much to love about this movie. I mean, I. I could overstate it, but I do think it's like wildly creative. I think the music is seriously top notch. Like, you know, the Camino theme that they brought back in Bad Batch. Yeah. Love that. I love the uh, the soundtrack where oops, just dropped my pen. The soundtrack where they where Obi-Wan goes in with the younglings and Yoda's talking to them. And he's like, truly wonderful. The mind of a child is that whole scene. The music in that specific scene with the little like choir that John Williams brings in. Love that. I love the music when Anakin's mom, Shmi, 
dies in his arms. I love that music and how it just goes from like somber and grieving and then it just goes into like this hatred. I think it's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't do, I can't do the sound, but you know which one I'm talking about where he's looking down and then he like looks up. Oh my God, it's such a good scene. I could gush about that forever. And then uh, I've always been obsessed with the Jedi Temple as a kid growing up, just like the design and aesthetic of that and like the way that looked and like the library and Jocasta knew and just like the overall vibe of that movie. I don't know. It just hits different. It makes me feel a certain way that no other Star Wars movie does. And I that's the best way I can describe it. It's just like the vibe of that film is so unique and so special that like I watch it and I feel like super comforted and just I feel like my imagination can run wild. Yeah, I agree. I It's it's a good it's a good movie. Do you it's not going to win any Oscars, I don't think. <laughs> but um, in terms of Star Wars media, it gets a lot of crap. But I, I've always enjoyed it. I actually – I asked some of our followers what their favorite things were about Attack of the Clones. And I'd actually like to share a few. Okay. So we got quite a few different comments. But one of the first ones is from sketchy underscore jellyfish on Instagram. And the comment is the Geonosian fu- – Arena fight is my favorite, and when the gunships come in, I always screamed at that part as a kid. That's a great battle. In fact, I love the scene where the clones are firing at, like, the space station that's, like, trying to go up in the air, and then how it crashes back. Yeah, I always love that shot. I don't know, the, like, aesthetic. So I've always really liked that. Yeah, it's great. Teresa, our sister, says... I love this. I love the music and obviously Padme being hurt in the sexiest possible way. (laughs) Oh, 10 year old Matt loved that. I'll tell you what. (laughs) But really, it's like the monster scratches her in the most perfectly cut part of her midriff comes like, come on. Hey, hey, it's accurate and awesome. And 10 year old Matt loved it. I don't need to know this. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Actually, to be fair. I was respectfully looking at Obi-Wan the, that entire movie. Everyone was like, oh, I had such a crush on Hayden Christensen in that film. Like, really? Because Obi-Wan was right there. The mullet? I don't know. The mullet's pretty gross. But just <laughs> Ewan McGregor's general face is nice. And so I never understood, and this is a tangent thing, but I never understood how Padme could be next to Obi-Wan and Anakin and she would go for Anakin and not Obi-Wan. <laughs> like, I've never understood that. Well, because Anakin was way younger and she's a cougar. (laughs) But I digress. I digress. So I also ask people to share their favorite quotes or favorite character moments or just basically anything about this film that they enjoyed. Lord Licorice (laughs) shared his favorite quotes are, what took you so long? Oh, you know, Master, I couldn't find a speeder that I really liked with the open (laughs) cockpit and the right speed capabilities. (laughs) That actually is a good line. That's a real, you know what's another good line? Is, nice job, Anakin. He went completely the completely other way. Completely the other way. That's my favorite line in the movie. So, yeah. That's such a good line. He went um, completely the other way. He went completely the other way. And then Lord Licorice also said, if you spent as much time practicing your saber techniques as you did your wits, you would rival Master Yoda as a swordsman. <laughs> <laughs> God, dude, this movie's so quotable too. When I was watching it, I was literally saying like every other line. You're like, she can't do that. Shota or something. Shota or something. Nick Doba says, Dooku and Yoda's duel. It is obvious that this contest cannot be decided by our knowledge of the force, but by our skills with a lightsaber. 
You said it wrong. His voice. Our our duel cannot be decided by our knowledge of the force, but by our skills with a light saber. Christopher Lee had the best voice. I love him. He's got like like it's like creamy. Yeah, R.I.P. Christopher Lee. Dragon Anne says. This movie is super nostalgic for me, so I would probably just end up listing most things in this film, but characters like Zam Wessel, Dexter Jester, Jocasta New, and their respective scenes are up there. I feel like this movie did a lot to expand the galaxy in a way that the other movies hadn't quite done, and before the Clone Wars came along, and really went wild hog on that front. Totally agree with that. Uh, <laughs> Dexter Jackson's Jester is a, a valuable addition to this film. The- Depends on what, Dex. Oh, how well your manners are, and how, good your how big your pocketbook is. You got the lip thing totally right. <laughs> you got the lip thing. To- I don't know how to speak out of the side of your mouth, but you totally nailed that. Uh, and also the way he goes, well, what do you know? Well, what do you know? <laughs> is also a really good quote. I'm pulling that up right now. You're going to pull up that scene. And I just love this. And I think we have a few other comments too. People actually, the outer I love. Rim, I see about uh, twelve parsecs outside the Rishi maze. Should be easy to find, even for those droids in your archives. Oh my God. <laughs> These are ones. Keep to themselves. Kaminoans, damn good ones too. Cloners, are they friendly? Oh, it depends. Depends on what, Dex? <laughs> on how good your manners are. <laughs> how big your pocket book is. I love Dexter Jetster. If we ever see that character again in Star Wars, that would be a, uh, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. I agree. Let's see. I think we have a couple other comments. Oh, Rain Foster says on our YouTube that Attack of the Clones is the most underrated Star Wars movie, in my opinion. One of my favorite aspects was the introduction of Count Dooku, my favorite Sith. It was extremely intriguing to see the perspective of the Jedi turned Sith and uh, his respectable motives. Plus, Christopher Lee is just an awesome villain. And Dooku's fencing style is my favorite fighting style in Star Wars, especially in the Clone Wars. Highly agree with that. Yeah. That was a really unique character. Yeah. His hilt is curved a little bit uh he has that really cool fighting style i agree again you get to see the perspective of a bad guy who used to be good and his fall from grace and you're kind of sympathetic to him and he's like he's actually kind of nice to obi-wan and is like hey here's the deal uh, he told know, them Obi-Wan the Kenobi, entire plot this must be some mistake i'll have oh, you released this, immediately this must be some terrible mistake my friend and then Which, how, by the way, he, how he trained qui-gon like that's yes, cool too that lineage um, like, it's cool. I agree. I agree with you, Orain. Uh Burma Saberwin, I think is this username, says, um, I've been an unabashed fan of Attack of the Clones since the first teaser dropped. dropped. Um, there's very little that doesn't work for me. From the music to the groundbreaking effects to the model work to the map paintings to the story to the music, I love all of it. Definitely agree. Perfect summary. And then we have a few more comments from our Twitter we got about six from Arister Carolyn. <laughs> and she says, oh, my gosh, where to begin with this film? Padme's insanely gorgeous wardrobe needs appreciation for one. Yes. yes. She 
she went you know how main characters in movies or tv shows only have like two pairs of outfits that they switch between yeah padme was like i'm gonna go full out and just wear a new outfit every other scene in this film yeah it is that's a really good point actually <laughs> she has the best wardrobe that that lake dress that she wears oh my gosh beautiful perfect Carolyn also says, I love the Battle of Geonosis, Anakin and his mom, Breaking Heart, Shuto, something. (laughs) And then she said that awful, awful pear scene. I cannot believe we haven't brought up the pear scene yet. That is some of the worst (laughs) CGI in any movie ever. When he forces over the pear and she goes, and she goes like this with a fork. And she goes, and like this massive chunk gets taken out of the pear. (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, my God. No, no, it, that's not what gets me. What gets me is Anakin saying, if Master Obi-Wan caught me doing this, he'd be very grumpy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, why? Why grumpy? Like, <laughs> like, why? Yeah. I mean, also as like an overarching whole thing for the movie is Anakin just being kind of a drama queen. <laughs> Well, this is a habit with Sith. Although, you know, this reminds me of a a funny meme I saw about how Vader just inherently is a drama queen. Oh, yeah. Let me pull it Wait, is it the Tumblr post? Because I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, I think so, yeah. No, he's so dramatic, dude. So (laughs) someone said, okay, but Vader literally turned off the lights on his chest panel to make an impression on the rebels during Rogue One scene. <laughs> the whole true. emerging from the darkness by the light of his saber thing, that was intentional dramatic effect. What a drama king. <laughs> Leia got away because he wasted 30 seconds scaring the crap out of those poor rebel mooks. Uh, someone said, since they're indicators, he would have had to turn his life support off. So he nearly died for drama. <laughs> and someone goes, Vader lives on Mustafar, the planet where he lost three-fourths of his limbs. Is there anything he does for purposes other than to be dramatic? And then someone goes, the man flew into an underground temple standing on top of a TIE fighter he was flying with the force. Well, he also made his cape billow dramatically in a non-existent wind. Have you seen There's that scene? There's nothing Vader won't do for drama. Have you seen that scene? <laughs> What? Yeah, yeah, the one in Rebels where he comes down like so dramatically in front of Ezra, and Ezra's just yeah. standing there. It's amazing. I like he's so over the top, and he's standing on his Tie Fighter. Oh my god! You guys have to watch Rebels. It's like it's just it's got some yeah. top tier Star Wars content. But back to the comments, there are just a uh, two more. I think. Uh oh! I downvoted it by accident. No, I didn't mean to do that. 2022, much already. <laughs> That's a great username. Said, um, the sound design as a whole, Django's pistols, seismic charges, basically all the new planets and locations on previously seen worlds, the introduction of Count Dooku, getting to see the actual Clone Wars start, and the soundtrack is absolutely amazing. All very, very good. All things. very, very, very true. There's a lot to love about this movie. I agree. What- and I think people have given it way too hard of a time. But then again, like we've talked about before, the prequels are making a comeback. And now the kids of that era are being very vocal about like, hey, you guys kind of gave them a little too hard of a time. <laughs> like, So now yeah. they're coming back in full force, which I'm so appreciative of. But I'm I think the, the oh, what did uh, Hayden Christensen said, say in an interview? Oh, actually... I'm going to share this as a good way to sum up. But Hayden Christensen did this interview and 
basically he said, it's been so heartwarming for the Star Wars fans to finally embrace me. This is actually very heartwarming. It's very cute to hear him say this. So here this is. Mission for him. What what does it mean for you to have a new generation come to a different appreciation of this character and of your portrayal of this character? Because I feel like people have really gotten behind you, um, especially the younger generation, in a way that's been really heartening to see. Yeah, it's it's just been, you know, really heartwarming. Uh, I can't really tell you what, what it means to me, um, but uh, it, it's it's a it's a really neat thing, you know. Um, I don't know that I can I can really define it, but it, you know, it, I guess the moral of the story is patience. Yeah. Aww. Oh God, I love him. I hope he really feels the love. For this Kenobi yeah. show. I mean, this is long overdue. I really hope he feels the love and he feels the support. And the same thing with Ewan and anybody else who may appear in the Kenobi show that was involved with the prequels. <laughs> Natalie Portman, <coughs> Qui-Gon Jen, Liam Neeson. So hopefully we will get to see that. But the show premieres next week. And so we'll have all of our answers then. Uh, sure but it. In the meantime, Matt, you will be at Star Wars Celebration uh, if you guys want to catch him. I know that he'll be there Thursday and then maybe Friday. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I still got to figure out my schedule. I'm traveling to England Friday night, so I'm going to try to make it to Star Wars Celebration during the day um, on Friday. So we'll see. Um, and Matt, you'll have pins to hand out. Yeah, I sure will. I will have... Uh, goodies Ooh. Ooh, those came out nice this is my first time seeing these i actually didn't see these i oh, had yeah, I them to, made I, I took a picture and i meant to send it to you i forgot oh that's um, fine and then we have the t-shirt so matt if you're gonna oh, wear yeah, that my t-shirt t-shirts around here somewhere i'll wear a t-shirt you'll be able to find me i'll have a that t-shirt on yes we have oh, official wait. t-shirts now we're getting more yes. official with every if episode you guys want some t-shirts maybe we'll maybe mm. we'll open up a store soon Mm. Mm, also if you guys want us to launch memberships we can do that as well we could release more content that sort of thing but we would need to know from you guys what you'd be wanting to look for so let us know if that's something you're interested in in terms of memberships um what would what would interest you to join the membership here what kind of content would you want to see from us what kind of exclusive stuff would you want to see or participate in and um so we're open to ideas but um that would be fun too but while we figure all that out help us grow our channel by following us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at star underscore wars underscore pod and listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you guys get your podcast and uh, click the notification bell on YouTube. So you always know when our stuff is posted because we're important and we want to talk more about Star Wars. <laughs> Maybe we'll stream again Lego Star Wars later this week again. Let's, yeah. What do you think about that? Absolutely. That. Let's do it. I was in it. Mexico. I was in Mexico last week, so I couldn't do it then. But I'm back. And um. Yeah, I'm just hyped for Obi-Wan next week. One more week. One more week. I can't believe that. One week more. <laughs> I can't um, harmonize. So we're excited. And yeah, we'll talk to you guys before then, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. And then you guys should be ready because the channel is going to get bombarded. I don't. So the weekend of Star Wars Celebration, I will be here um, at home. I will be reacting to new content. I will be posting stuff to the channel, but that will primarily just be me because like Matt said, he will be in the UK that weekend. I don't know 
when he'll be able to do a reaction, if he'll be able to do a reaction. Um, but I will be, so I will be very active that entire weekend. If you guys just want to stick around the channel and I'll just be like, they'll be live streaming the panels, so I'll be able to watch them. Thank you, Star Wars, for that. Uh, so keep an eye on, on the channel for that. And then Matt will be taking footage of Star Wars Celebration and his experiences. And if you're going, you should hunt him down and grab that pin and say hi. And I'm really sorry I can't be there this year. And I'll but... interview you and we can talk. Um, yes. There. And uh, I'll probably react to Obi-Wan Wednesday night if it comes out at 9. That's probably when I'll do it. So we'll see. Does it release um, that early? That's uh, midnight Easter time. So <gasps> yeah, we'll figure it out, guys. In the meantime, yeah, please go follow us and ever. And we'll talk to you guys soon on another Star Wars podcast. So take care and we'll see you then. We'll see you then, guys. May the force be with you. See you later. Bye.